welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Chappell, along with my good friend, Artemis Brower. Artie? Yo. How's it going, brother? We're good, man. We're, we're, we're doing it. It's been a long week. Um, back and forth. You know, you know the, the usual. So this was my week to go into the office this week. So back and forth with, with, with the commute. But it's been a good week. Got a lot done. Thankfully, I got tomorrow off. And uh, I'm excited to be back. On the podcast, I missed last week, and I hate that I had to miss last week, but I'm back, and uh, we're going to get right into it this week. So how about yourself, man? How you doing, brother? Uh, it's it's a crazy, I don't know, I just feel like everything's crazy right now. I mean, it's that time of year where things start speeding up for me at, at work quite a bit. Yeah. It, it's We're getting into the, we're, we're, getting, we're getting ready for the holiday season. If you, yeah. if you don't yeah. know, I, I'm in marketing. So it's insane. It's busy for finance too, brother. But <laughs> finance too. Everybody wants to get their their marketing ads set up and, and going. Um, so yeah, it's it's just wild. I, I'm going to the beach tomorrow night before going to the game on Saturday. Nice. Um, so got a lot of things I got to do. Got to take Ficklin, young Ficklin, to to the the boarding kennels tomorrow. Get him ready for that. We got to pack my daughter's stuff, our stuff. We still aren't packed. Just a lot going on, man. Like, I don't know. I, and I, I got to work uh, even after editing tonight. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to work late. So, it's just one of those. Di- it's just one of those times, man. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm not complaining at all. I, I'm very blessed, but I will say it is very stressful in, in the in the Shaffet household right now. Hey, um, look, if we weren't built for it, we, we wouldn't be put in this situation. So. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But uh, all right, Artie, number 67. This is episode 167. Six, seven. Do you have a 67? I'm going to let you go first, man. I'm going to let you go first. You know, you know, I just got back into the crib, so I'm, I'm trying to piece everything together. You go ahead and you go ahead with your 67. All right. Well, I'm going to go. Hurricanes legend. And I say that meaning he played five games for the Hurricanes. Uh, <laughs> none other than Max Pacioretty. Okay. Uh, I mean, he, he's played – he's had a long career. I mean, what he still came into the league in the 08-09 season. Um, so he's, he's played, what, 10 years or 15 years in the league. Uh, dealt with some injuries, dealt with some injuries. Um, most notably, I mean, he, he came, he tore his, he tore his Achilles last year. He got traded to the hurricanes last year, tore his Achilles during training camp, came back, played five games and then retore his Achilles. Yeah. So, um, he needs to be on whatever Aaron Rodgers is on because Aaron Rodgers seems to be doing no. Aaron Rodgers seems to know what's up. Um, hey, look, there's, there's a conspiracy theory out there. Aaron Rodgers might not be that hurt, though. He might have he might have faked that injury for the clock, but you know, as a as a Bears fan, maybe I'm just hating. But there's just the no Bears theory out there. I'm just saying, nobody hey, heals from the Achilles injury that quick. Nobody. I don't know, man. He's taking some kind of I don't I don't know. Look, <laughs> it's look. insane. He's taking drugs. Like if, if, if he is, he he's going to like Russia and getting on 
the crazy, the crazy medicine. <laughs> they're they're just injecting him with all kinds of blood and all kinds of stuff. I don't know, man. Aaron Rodgers, he's doing some weird shit, but hey, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. You know, um, but yeah, Max Petrietti. I mean, he he's an elite goal scorer, but uh, overall, I mean, he he's never won anything other than I mean, he won the Masterton Trophy um, a while back, but that that's I mean, that's not really about what you do on the ice. It's more about what you do off the ice and, and coming back. Um, I believe that's the comeback player of the year, basically in the NHL. That's really the only hardware he has. Surprisingly, yeah. um, Ben. I mean, he was a captain of the of the Canadians. He played for Vegas, got traded in a salary dump to Carolina last year. Now I yeah. believe he's uh, he he signed a free agent deal with the Capitals. Uh, hasn't played yet this season, so yeah. I mean, Max Pacioretty. That, that's that's my sixty-seven. Love it. Love it. I, I will go ahead and, and throw one in here. And look, I'm going to keep naming offensive linemen to a little swell off at, at this point because I got another old lineman this week. Number 67, um, blocked for O.J. Simpson. It's O.J. Simpson for Buffalo. Um, God bless. What is this man's name? I just lost his name. This is why you can't on, do live. Walk the damn live plank, podcast. Artie. This is why you can't do live podcast. I don't see his first name, but I know it's McKenzie. My stuff, my stuff froze on me. But he was a lineman for the Buffalo Bills, blocked for OJ Simpson, part of the famed Electric Company. Um, have no idea what the Electric Company is, but that's what the website is telling me. I'm guessing that's a very great historic offensive line group. Um, so shout out to him, number 67, old lineman for the Buffalo Bills. But speaking of old lineman, did you hear what Dan Olowski said on first take a few days ago? about Jason Kelsey. I did not. He said he's the most important non-quarterback player in the NFL. Like outside of the quarterback position, Jason Kelsey is like the most important player in the NFL. What? And I just thought that was absolutely absurd. Now he's great. He's uh, Jason Kelsey is the first ballot. What? Hall of Famer. First ballot Hall of Famer. Not even a question. I mean, no, the no. most important player in the NFL, outside of the quarterback position, I don't know about that. Don't let anybody into the NFL Hall of Fame, it seems like. No, that's not true, man. That's not true. That's not Come true. Come on now. That's not true. It seems like you play 10 years in the league, all right, you're, you're in the No, you're in the like, come on now. Come on now. Don't do not do that, Jay. Don't do that. I, I, ju- I just feel like. So are, so are you saying Jason Kelsey's not a first ballot Hall of Famer? I'm not saying he's not, but I'm just saying they, I don't know, like. In, I feel like in other leagues. So who's gotten in that you don't think should be in? You you can't you can't say that and not name name. You got name drop if you think it's rigged. I mean, it's not. I don't think it's rigged. I just think that there's too many people in the NFL Hall of Fame. Come on, man. You got name overall. I, I just overall think. I overall be. think that there's too many people in the NFL Hall of Fame. Now the opposite can be said for the MLB. There's some names not in it that need to be in there. Well, yeah, I agree. That and that—that's kind of what I, I kind of look at the in it. Look, I've always said I, I'm a NHL, MLB fan before I'm an NFL fan. Um, there's a bunch of people that have been snubbed in getting into the NHL and MLB Hall of Fame, which makes it 
makes me think that it should be extremely hard to get into the Hall of Fame when I see some of these guys in the NFL that get into the Hall of Fame and it's like, did they really have like that great of a career? It's consistency, baby. Consistently great. Put Rod Brindamore in the Hall of Fame. Dale Murphy does, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. That, that's all I got to say, Artie. All, all I got to say. No arguments for me. All right. Uh, Boneyard Podcast is proud to be members of the Variety Sports Podcast Network, Variety Sports Collegiate. Make sure to check them out. We're live right now on Variety Sports, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook. Check them out. Go like, subscribe, follow, do all that. Uh, five hole podcast, which your boy is going to be leading, starts next nice. week. We look, hey, we've got. It, it, it's been a crazy time for me and Brandon, my my co host on that. Go check it out, follow, subscribe right now. We're gonna we're gonna be coming out. I believe we're gonna record on Monday or Tuesday night of next week. Check if you want to see like, hey, when when we're gonna do it. If you're interested in following. The NHL and the VSN Hockey Podcast. Listening to your boy again. Uh, yeah. Follow me at Jared underscore Shaffit and then at VSN Collegiate. Um, and I believe it's underscore Variety Sports. Um, yeah. Do all that. Do all that. Uh, I see we have a comment. Kane's by two. Damn right. Kane's uh, already. Kane's play at 1030 tonight. So it's going to be what, what, what West Coast team are they playing tonight? Seattle. Okay. Okay. Seattle. All right. Let, let's talk. Uh, let, let's talk SMU. Let's go ahead and get out of the way. All right. We can run through some of the stats. <clears throat> what I'm going to say though is overall, ECU defense played a game, and I, I feel like we've said this every single week. ECU's defense played so well that the offense should have been able to figure out a way to win a game. You're singing the same song, brother. You're singing the same song. Like, considering ECU held SMU to basically the same statistics on offense that they had and then still lost by three touchdowns? Come on now. I I don't know. I mean, SMU ninth, had a 50% completion rating or completion percentage, 19 for 39. ECU, 18 for 39. The, the straw that broke the camel's back, ECU threw a pick six. ECU had more first downs, 15 to 14. More rushing yards, 97 to 58. And out possessed the ball by nine minutes and you still couldn't you still lost by three touchdowns jerry think it just just think about four of the five games that we've lost and think about where we were going into the fourth quarter app state marshall rice smu where was the game going to the fourth quarter what is it a, was it a blowout going to the fourth quarter no. or was it damn very much within reach very much a winnable game going into the fourth quarter. ECU could very well be five and one right now if they knew every, how to play in the damn fourth quarter. Every single one of those games going into the fourth quarter, ECU had a legitimate 
chance to put something together. You, you've been anemic on offense the whole game, and you still got a chance to put something together to win this football game, and you don't do it. You don't yeah, do it. I mean, I don't know, Artie. Like, honestly, we should get rid of the no quarter. I'm Like, why are we even playing it? No quarter means, hey, this is going to be like the quarter we stand up and, and we do a damn thing. ECU hasn't done a damn thing in, in the fourth quarter all season long. And, and it's just, it's brutal to watch. And they make these mistakes and they, they can't get out of their own way sometimes. Look, let me, let me ask you this. Is this the worst ECU offense that you've ever witnessed? Yes. Thank you. Bar none. Not even close. I, I, Not even close. I think I said this last week on the podcast. This might be the worst ECU team as a whole that I've watched. Yeah. There's no fight. I mean, even even with those Scotty Moe teams, I don't remember starting one and five. I mean, we, we, we had at least two wins under our belt at that point in the season. Now, we finished three and nine, right? But I, I don't I don't remember a, a one and five start. I'm not saying that it didn't happen, but I don't remember a one and five start. Look, if this team can figure out how to play in the second half, play in the fourth quarter, if this team can get anything going at all on offense, there's a chance for this team. Maybe not to get bowl eligible this year, but they can prove something this the back half of this year. We're halfway through the season. They still have a ton to prove. Well, I mean – the, the problem is is obvious and it, and it's twofold, right? It it is a lack of play calling from the offense, and now we're starting to get all these other outlets and media, you know, personalities saying the same thing that we've been saying for weeks, months, couple years, is is that it is a predictable, boring, stagnant, none moving offense. That's number one, and and then number two, because I know a lot of people got on Twitter after the game. And we're saying, oh, why'd you take Mason out? Mason was giving us the best chance to win. Why'd, why'd you put Alex Flynn in? Was Mason really giving us the best chance to win? Outside of running the rock pretty well, was he actually giving us the best chance to win? Because I, I feel like we're in a situation where we have two quarterbacks and neither one of them give us the best chance to win, in my honest opinion. Neither one gives us the best chance to win. So if you're going to sit here and call, oh, oh, why did you put Alex Flynn in? Was Mason really giving us the best chance to win that football game? Truthfully. I- I think so. On, on last Thursday night, if you if you asked me last Thursday night who gave us the best chance to win the football game, I was telling you Mason Garcia. Well, then that that means we would have to pound the rock every single play to try and win that football game. I mean, Mason putting that ball in the air was not going to happen. Once again, he I mean he was twelve for twenty six. Yeah, it's it's not setting the world on fire, but still, I mean, pretty decent. He had a, he had a good connection with, with Chase Sowell. Um, I mean, overall, overall, I mean, I, I would say that having Mason in there, he, he gave you, he gave you different options. And, and the thing with Mason and, and we saw it a little bit last week was when Mason can get outside the pocket and can get his feet moving and have some time to throw the ball, he can be, he can be pretty good. Right. 
Right. And and it's not all Mason and it's not all Flynn because that old line is not doing anything they're supposed to be doing. We do have you to don't talk about anemic. That O line is anemic. We gotta mention the old line. They're not playing well whatsoever. At so all. I would say the bad, the good, look, Chase Soul, he, he's he's my I player. Of the, the yeah. I mean him, the defense stood tall. Uh th- those are my goods. Bad offensive line. Still couldn't really get Rajay, Marlon Gunn. Um, I mean, you lose. Uh, who who went down early in, in the game? Um, well, um, yeah, um, I'm trying to think. I mean, you, you lose. Like, That's what it was. Yeah, Javius Bond. I don't know. Thank I, you, Josh. I, I I don't know why I was blanking on on Javius Bond, but um, for some reason I, I was. I don't know who I was thinking of, but not Javius Bond. But you, you haven't been able to get a running back going all, all game. I think that game's a, a lot different if you've got Javius Bond in there. I, I I think that you're able to do a couple more things, right? He He's kind of replaced Keen Mitchell as, as that explosive back. Granted, you can't be explosive when you're running up the middle on first and second down every damn time, right? So who knows? I I... I would say bad offensive line and just some poor decision-making, right? Like there was just some, once again, there's times where we're we're swapping out quarterbacks. I don't know. And to to that point though, the poor decision-making comes from a lack of confidence. It comes from a lack of knowing when they're going to be in and out the game. If you look at the body language of Mason Garcia and Alex Flynn, they're always looking to the sideline. They're always looking a little confused. Because they don't know when they're going to be yacked. Like, they don't know when they're going to get pulled and they're going to be riding the bitch for the rest of the game. And that is what we spoke to a few weeks ago. That at this point, you have to just ride with one. you got to go ahead and make that decision. We're, we're one and five. All right? You're not doing nothing that is working. This two-quarterback system, I don't want to hear that. It ain't working. you got to roll with one. you got to try and let them build their confidence. And you just got to roll. You, you just got to go with it. You, you like you literally just got to go with it. And I will say the more athletic quarterback is Mason Garcia. So I would roll with the more athletic quarterback, even though I think Flynn has a better arm. I would roll with Garcia. And that's it. Garcia is the guy. I don't care if we finish 1-11. You have to be able to establish something because the team itself, they don't. there's no confidence. There's no rhythm. There's no flow. They don't know who their quarterback is. They don't know who's going to be out there play calling, who's going to be the signal caller. And these guys are confused because they can get yacked at any point in time. At this point in the season, for the love of God, roll with one guy. Let him play from start to finish. Let him succeed on his own. Let him fail on his own. Let him go from start to finish. Because what you're doing is not working. Clearly, it ain't working. Yeah. I mean, EC's got to figure it out. They've, they've got to figure it out. Bad. Um We, I mean, the offensive line, like I said, bad decision-making. Ugly. The ugliest thing I've seen all season, Artie, is ECU deciding to punt on fourth and six. Or uh, it may have been even shorter. It may have been fourth and five. Look, I get you're on your, your own side of the field. You punt down a touchdown with six minutes left, basically giving up the game with the new clock rules. 
That's bullshit. But that's that that speaks to not having any confidence in your offense. The reason why they punted that ball is because they did not believe they could pick up six yards whatsoever. They did not think they could pick up six yards. That's why they punted the ball. They had no faith that they could pick up six yards. Now, granted, should you go for it? Yeah, you 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 play to win the game. But there was no confidence whatsoever that they could pick up six yards on that play. Yeah, I, I, man, I, I really don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And to answer your question, ECU did go one and six in 2017 yeah. before they beat BYU at home. Um, yeah, it's it, it's Look, brutal. Remember how dark that was. Remember how dark. Remember how dark them times were. I mean, that was the year we lost to JMU. Whoo! That was the year we lost. We lost to JMU that year. Mm. Artie, I, I, I don't want to talk much more about it. I'm over the game. I, I watched it that night. Listened to some good podcasts on my way home from the game. Watched it, laughed, cried a little bit. It's over. Yeah. Right. This is hasn't been the season that, that we've wanted. Um we're halfway through. We're halfway through. We're always I'm already looking surprisingly, we talked about it last week. I'm already looking to, to basketball season. <laughs> is it isn't that crazy? Like is, isn't that crazy? You looking forward to what ECU basketball? What? But that's that's where we are. That is I mean, that is the state of sh- Shout out EC volleyball got got another dub tonight. Yep. EC soccer still on the on the up and up. Uh, I mean, baseball's only five months away. <laughs> I think that's what everybody in Greenville was like. Hey, look, just just wait till baseball. <laughs> just just wait till we have something actually to cheer about. So. All right, Artie, let let's let's turn let's turn the tide. Let's all right. We're washing it. SMU is in the rear view. Like we're, we're getting, we're, it was honestly just ECU just always gets my hopes up. And then for whatever reason, find or somehow finds a way to, to crush my hopes every single week. Um, Every week going into the fourth quarter, I'm like, Oh, we we can do this. And then we just don't. Yeah. Um, So, all right, moving on. Let's, uh, Let's go. Let's talk Charlotte. Charlotte coming in new new American members, right? Yeah. Um, Charlotte's coming in into the American, gonna make their first trip ever to Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Artie, what, what's your thoughts on on uh, on Charlotte? Man, oh man, um, the sickos committee's gonna love this game. Sickos are gonna love this game. This, game, this game's gonna end. I gotta say right now. This, this game's gonna end two nothing, with with the winning score being a safety. <laughs> the sickos are gonna love this game. Look, I, I will say about Charlotte though, I didn't know that they haven't lost a game this season by more than three touchdowns. So they've they've been in a lot of the games, right? And they they played some stiff competition, um, and we'll we'll get into all that. But you know, I, I, I see SMU, Florida, Maryland on you know on their schedule that they lost to, but they didn't lose any of those teams by more than three touchdowns. Right. So, I mean, they've they, they've lost. They've looked a lot like ECU at times where they've been in these games and they just don't know how to finish, don't know how to win. And, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. A pair of one and five teams 
and truth, like truthfully, anybody can win this game. It, it, this is this is this is the most toss up of toss up games ever. So, all right. Well, let let's uh, bring our our guest on tonight. We've got Jeremy Grandison coming onto the podcast. Jeremy from the Highway Forty Nine podcast. Jeremy, how's it going, my friend? Hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah, we oh, got yeah. you. Perfect, perfect. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, man, no problem. Uh, excited to have you on. Excited to talk about this homecoming matchup, ECU Charlotte. Thanks for joining us. I know it was kind of on short notice. Uh, first off, talk to us about your head coach. <laughs> it's late sporting the do rag. Hope you guys are cool with that. But oh, you're talking good. About, <laughs> but talking about Biff, man, it. I was talking about this. We recorded an episode of Highway 49 earlier to preview this game, and we're talking. At Biff's introductory press conference, he comes out and says, we're going to win the AAC. That's our one goal. And when you set the standard that high, and then you're one in five now, it's it's understandable why fans are getting upset, right? Because I think every excuse that he had, he threw out the window during that introductory press conference where he's saying, we're not rebuilding. He said, we're not reshaping. We're not rebuilding. We're not going to go through a couple years of retooling. He's saying we're going to win now. And that's not the results that Charlotte fans have been wanting or seeing. And I will say this about Biff, though. He's transparent. He's going to give it to you the same way he's going to give it to anybody else. That guy is going to tell you how it is right to your face. But at times, that can be at a detriment. At times, that might not be the best thing. And I think he's finally realizing in this conference, after the Georgia State, presser you could finally see like whoa okay I think he's finally realizing that you don't just join a team and bring some transfers over from Michigan and you're going to win immediately that's not how it works it's not how college football works and I think he's here for the long haul and I think he's finally realizing okay this is going to be a little harder than I initially thought now Jeremy you know obviously Biff came in hot right he, he came in Wills you know guns are blazing came in hot but what are some realistic expectations that you think Biff Foley can do here at Charlotte? Do you think he can actually turn this program around? And do you think the fan base will kind of warm up to him if he can do that? You know what? I, I'm optimistic about this. Um, and this is not me as an alum. I'm not, I didn't go to Charlotte. I'm just covering the school. I'll say that Biff made his name. He went to Duke. He became a businessman, multimillionaire. And the thing about Biff is he can talk and persuade. And in the current college landscape, it's all about NIL. It's all about money. It's all about what can you offer these players that's not just playing time. And 10 years ago, five years ago, it was, hey, we can offer you the running back one position or we can offer you to start immediately at our school. It's not going to cut it anymore, which is actually plays in Biff's favor. I think he's got a lot of connections. He'll be able to garner that money that Charlotte has been needing to try and get these players but we see, I heard you guys talking about it earlier. I mean, Charlotte's defense is, is is pretty good. The Niners have Coach Ryan Osborne, defensive coordinator. He was at Michigan before this. He was at the Baltimore Ravens before this. This guy loves football. Whenever I talk to him, whenever I interview him, he just loves to talk about the X's and O's. He's all about that. So on one side of the ball, you're set. You have players like Yabi Oki. You have Nakai Hill Green. You have Stone Handy. Some experienced players that can really burst into the backfield get tackles for losses and put pressure on the quarterback consistently. However, what can you do on offense? And I think that's where the main issue is going to be. I interviewed him after the Navy game in the post-game press conference, and he told me 
He said, we don't have any erasers on this team. An eraser being third and 10, third and 11, throw it up to someone, that wide receiver can go get it. Or that running back can make two men miss and go get that first down. They don't have any of that. So I think we're going to see them, see him going to try and get some erasers uh, in, the, in this offseason. But I have the utmost confidence in him, not just because of who he is, but because we've seen his, his success at other places before, and I think that he can replicate that at Charlotte. Yeah, for sure. And and last week, I mean, you gave up – Charlotte gave up, what, 250-some yards, I believe it was, to Navy. That's, ECU fans know that that's not an easy offense to stop. Granted, this year they, they've got a new head coach. It's still the same triple option, same same yep. thing every every year. Talk to us a little bit about playing that game for the first time and, and, and what you saw last week against the midshipmen. Yeah, so – like you mentioned, the triple option. Tuesday's press conference leading into the Navy game, I asked Coach Ryan Osborne about the triple option, and he said, hey, we're not going to practice with a ball. We're practicing without a ball because triple option, you never know what's going to happen. Everybody has a job. If your job is to cover the dive, cover the dive. If your job is to cover the sweep, the guy running, cover the sweep. If your job is to cover the quarterback, cover the quarterback. The second you try to cover the dive and then cover something else is where Navy gets you. I think Charlotte went in with a game with a good game plan. I mean, Navy, you said it, they didn't have that much success against that Charlotte defense. You know, you saw that couple big plays here and there that made that score 14 zero, but for the most part, Charlotte's defense played really well. They got in the backfield. They had a lot of tackles for losses. I just think that if you're a defense and you're out there working your butt off and you get to the bench finally, you force a stop, and your offense gets a three and out, and you're right back on the field, at some point, that dam's going to break. That dam's going to crack, and we saw that. A couple cracks is all it takes for Charlotte to lose these games because the offense simply can't put enough points on the board to, you know, uh, keep this defense keep this defense healthy and fresh every time they go out there. Now, Jeremy, you know, I'm, I'm affectionately calling this game the booty bowl. Uh, because this this is a battle between two one and five teams, but you know, outside of you know the defense playing well, what are some other positives, if anything, that you've seen from the offensive side of the ball for Charlotte? I'll be honest with you, Artemis. There's not many. Um, I will say mm-hmm. special teams. Greg Froelich, the special teams coordinator, has been doing a stellar job the past few weeks. Uh, UF was one of the best return teams, and they were able to kind of stifle that. U.S. special teams on punt returns, kick returns. But on offense, that QB carousel is the number one problem. I mean, Trexler Ivy and Jalen Jones, if you don't know who your quarterback is, week in and week out, we ask the same. I know you guys have the same thing, right? It sounds so familiar. (laughs) Week in and week out, I mean, we ask Coach, hey, what's the deal with the quarterbacks? Are you going to commit to one? What do you see with each? And every time it's we're going to keep running with both of them. We're going to switch them out whenever we think we have a good look with one or the other. Now, Trexler is more of a pro-style drop-back quarterback, but that makes him susceptible to a lot of sacks. Charlotte has taken, I think, the second most sacks in the conference with – I have the stat up here, man. This is crazy to me. Um, Let me find it here. 32 sacks allowed in six or seven games for 190 yards. I mean, this guy is – and the sacks aren't four or five yard sacks or 11 yard sacks, 12 yard sacks. And it puts them in terrible down and distance situations. And then for the wide receivers, I mean, we can 
egg on the quarterbacks all we want. The wide receivers aren't getting separation consistently or even at all. Jack Estero has been out for a little bit. Jairus Mack had a good game um, in one of the openers, but it's not consistent. So I just think as a whole, it, it, it looks it's looking pretty bleak. And to finish it off, your true freshman star running back that commits to Charlotte on ESPN on national television is out for the season in Darrell Robinson. So at this point, I think they're just trying to pick up scraps and see what they can get. I mean, it's you hear the it's interesting being in this industry because you hear the coaches talking about the same or regurgitating the same exact talking points week in and week out. We're almost there. We're so close. You know, like, we had we had a real good week of practice. <laughs> we had a really, really good week of practice. We were able to watch film and we think we got some things down. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And they just it gives you enough just to hold you to that game. And then it just the cycle starts all over again. Jared, talk to me because I can see your face right now. Man. So, I mean, this is this is I mean, this is just easy on a loop. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, every single week it's guys really guys really practice hard this week. Really hard. Great practice. It, it, Excited about going up against a great opponent. <laughs> excited to get in front of our, our rowdy fans in, in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Like it's the same thing every single week. Every single week. They got a good football team. Yeah. Well, it's it's football at the FBS level. Everybody has a good football team. Yeah. Right? Like, how are you preparing differently for, for this for this matchup? Yeah. Oh, well, we, we watch film and well, the film doesn't matter when you the film you're watching is you're running it up the gut on first and second down for a total of two yards. And then you're sitting at third and eight. And now we got to figure out how can we get the ball nine yards when our offense can't do shit. That's a great point, man. That Navy game, it was run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass. And you're seeing yourself in 39, third and 10 situations over and over again. And at some point it's like Trex or Ivy on third and 10 is not going to be able to, make a play with his legs if you need him to. And it's the same thing over and over again. Man. I, I, I typically don't keep track of this stat because I, it typically doesn't matter. And it's not something that is outstanding, like blatantly in your face in the first half last week against SMU. I, I believe it was, it took more than five and a half minutes for either team to get a first down. Wow. And then, it took seven minutes in the second half for either team to get a first down. And you you can't do that. I mean, you've got to be able to get positive yardage on those early downs. So that way you're leaving yourself with third and four, third and five at worst, right? If you can get two or three yards on first and second down each, you're, you're getting yourself really close to being there. Right. Yeah. I'll say that. It's so easy to just say that, right? I mean, right. the offensive coordinators, Mike Miller, the offensive coordinator for Charlotte, he's saying the same things in, in the press conferences. Hey, we just got to make it easy in the first couple downs to put ourselves in a favorable down and distance situation. We want to be on third and three, third and four. Let's say you have an eight-yard run, right, from Charlotte, or you have a great – Charlotte loves tight end screen. So Colin Weber gets a good tight end screen, eight yards, nine yards on first down. Trex Ryrie takes a 12-yard sack. And you're right back to where you weren't. You didn't want to be, and that, yeah, that or you, that or you get called for a, a, a false start or a holding because your <laughs> offensive line can't can't put together sandwich two slices of sandwich bread, much less a block. I mean, 
Uh-huh. I will say this though, Jalen Jones in that UF game, he impressed me. I mean, I'm watching that game. I was at the UF game and I thought this was going to be UF comes out to a 10-0 start. And I'm thinking Charlotte might not get to the 50 yard line. Trexler Ivy's taken 14 yard sacks, 13 yard sacks. And I don't want to dump on Trexler too much because Trexler has shown the ability before, not consistently, but he can make those throws. He can sit in the pocket and deliver a strike when he needs to sometimes. But Jalen Jones, he went into that UF game. He was able to show his dual threat quarterback abilities. And I don't think UF game plan for that because anytime he used his legs, something good happened for the Niners. I don't know if that's replicable. We haven't seen him do that since that UF game. But Hunter Bailey, uh, as you guys might know him, we are in the press box watching this game at Navy. First drive of the game, we see Jalen Jones lining up at wide receiver for the Niners. At wide receiver. He's a quarterback. Yeah. And we're saying, what's going on? And we asked Coach in the postgame, hey, why is your fringe like starting quarterback playing wide receiver? And he said, we need him out there. He's one of our best playmakers. Um, so why isn't he playing quarterback? Why is he at wide receiver trying to take make have wide receiver screens? I, I just don't get it. Um, I don't get paid the big bucks to make these decisions, but I think we're in the same boat here, ECU and Charlotte uh, supporters. I, I guarantee when you when you watch this game, and I don't know if you're going to be at the game or not. I will be. On, on Saturday. If, if so, come up to me after the after the first half and – Let's try to figure out how many how many pages Donnie Kirkpatrick has gotten through on on the ECU playbook because <laughs> I, I swear that man thinks there's only two in there. So eight and a half at best. Uh, now, I will say Biff Pogey, he was upset with the offensive play calling in the Georgia State game. It felt like after that game, the world was burning. He was very upset, and he always says, hey, I hate to lose. So after a loss on the Friday night of a loss or Saturday night or whatever day you play, I'm always – you're getting the raw, unfiltered me. But on Monday, Tuesday, when I'm able to kind of relax, watch the film, go over stuff, I'm a lot better. I'm more even keeled. He was saying – he came in his introductory press conference. He, he, he made it sound easy. He said this – was, this was funny. He said, we're going to run it down their throat. We're going to make them stack the box. And the second sack of the box, we're going to throw it over their head. And everyone, all the donors are like, whoa, this guy has the recipe. He has he has the blueprint. And it's so easy to say that, right, until, until you actually have to go out there. And there was one game against Georgia State where Charlotte's trying to mix it up. They're trying new things. They're trying to be innovative on offense. And on the press game or the, the post-game press conference, he's saying, no, I hate that. We're going to go back to the way I want to play. We're going to go back to run, run, run. We're going to try to run it down your throat. But the thing is, Charlotte doesn't have the capable offensive linemen to be able to execute that type of game plan. And you can't just say you're going to run when you have a true freshman in the backfield or you have guys that are mixing and matching for the offensive line. Uh, He wants to limit the menu, but limiting the menu can't happen if you don't have the requisite pieces to be able to make that successful. Now, Jim, sure. let, me, let, me, let me ask you this real quick, because Charlotte does have something that ECU does not have, right? And that is a major metropolitan area in Charlotte. It's a big city, right? So do you think Coach Biff and staff can actually pull together some of the plethora of talent that's in Charlotte? And not just Charlotte, but that South Carolina area, too, because South Carolina is right next door. So, like, do you think you can actually capitalize on that in the next few years? I do. Um, 
and it goes back to what I said earlier with Biff's ability to garner relationships, his ability to, he has a lot of good connections with Charlotte. As we all know, it's a big banking accounting city. He's, he's really said, he, he put his foot down and saying, we need NIO money. We're going to get it. I know we are. I'm confident we are going to get it. Talking about that talent, man, Biff, he has a good track record. He was at Maryland. He was at St. Francis Academy. A lot of the players that transferred to Charlotte are from St. Francis Academy, and they transferred because of Biff, because they want to go to bat for this guy. They want to fight for this guy. He's been going to high schools recently and going on the recruiting trail, and I think that part is actually, like you said, it's promising. I think it is promising, his ability to be able to garner those relationships and cultivate relationships in the future it's going to work but it's all going to come down to nil i mean that's the current space that we're working with and if you don't embrace it i mean you're going to get left behind for sure now jeremy this will be the last question i have for you uh both both offenses seem anemic seems like the strength is definitely the defense on, on both sides of the field um one thing that I mean, one thing that stands out to me is the if you look at like the team stats as, as like total yards on offense, yards passing, average per game. I mean, Charlotte one one seventy point two, ECU one seventy three point two, yards rushing, Charlotte one thirty three point five, ECU one twenty eight point seven yards allowed. <laughs> now, granted, uh. Charlotte has allowed a few more yards, but when you look at like pass yards allowed, Charlotte 220.5, ECU 221.3. Like, come on. These are the same teams. Yeah, I mean, beginning of the season, even though Charlotte was losing, and I know you can't really say it was like a good loss, you know, that cliche type of term, but it was. I mean, you're going into Maryland on your first national televised game on NBC and you're up 14-0 on Maryland. Your freshman cornerback and Cameron Howard is picking off Talia Tagovailoa. Demetrius Knight is getting a pick six early in the game, and that's also going back to Greg Forlick and his special teams. Stone Handy comes barreling down the field on a kick or a punt and just lays out the Maryland guy, and they get favorable position, or they pin Maryland early, and then you're able to have that complimentary football where your defense can capitalize off of what the special teams did and your offense then has more confidence because you're not playing from behind you're not stressing okay we have to throw the ball we have to put it in Jalen Jones hands to throw the ball it's all about complimentary football you know they go into UF like I said they're down 10-0 that swamp is raucous the swamp is rocking and Jalen Jones is going out there and rushing for 45 yards or scrambling for 45 yards and and quieting the crowd I just I don't know what happened between then and now where the offense has become this anemic. It's, it's dumbfounding. And it's truly, I'm at a loss for words because going in, we knew preseason practice, the defense was winning every day. We knew the offense wasn't going to be where the defense was, but no one knew it was going to be this bad. Yeah. With, with all that, with, with this offense, I want to get to the, question that i didn't even ask <laughs> i said all that I, I i was thinking it and then I, I saw that and i was like that's insane uh all right here's the question the over under i vegas oh, what is vegas doing 
what are they doing, right? The over-under is 40 and a half. Oh, my Lord. I don't know the forecast for this game. Do you know it? Uh, I think it. I think there's a slight chance of rain. Okay. Uh, I, I haven't. I, that was when I looked last week. Yeah. Um, right. Let's see. I'll, I'll pull it up. Uh, I mean, no, this could absolutely be one of those nine-nine football games going overtime. No, th- this is <laughs> absolutely be that. I mean, come come game time, come kickoff. It's supposed to be 65, 67, sunny. Okay. Yeah. It's gonna be a nice day out there in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. The the fans are going to be pretty lubed up on on homecoming <laughs> on homecoming night. Um, but what would you? All right, let let's play Vegas for a second. What would I make the line? What would you put the over under at? Yeah, this is a this is crazy because my over under is going to shock a lot of people. It's my over under, honestly, would be twenty two and a half, which is wild to say. And 40 and a half is low for for college football. Normal, competent offensive teams, yeah. <laughs> the reason why I'm saying this, and it's crazy, is because the Navy-Charlotte over-under was 43 and a half. 43. And Hunter and I are looking at each other like, these teams are both ground and pound teams. They don't like to air it out. How is it going to be a 20 to 20-something game? There's no way. And that under hit beautifully if you were the under you were sitting back and if you were the under in the first quarter you were on amazon prime looking at what you wanted to spend that money on already <laughs> knowing that it was going to cash I, i'm just gonna i'm gonna say this here my lock of the week the under take the under the ecu charlotte <laughs> that's under but you know how vegas is man the second you think something they're gonna they're gonna give you something else i mean i what are they seeing yeah. Uh, unless, unless. Now, now, look. We we sit here and say this is going to be 38-35 final, right? Exactly. Like, exactly. Hey, maybe 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 we just need this the uh, reverse jinx. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. I can't speak game. for ECU, but for Charlotte, the wide receivers, they don't have that guy. Last year they had Elijah Spencer. They had who's now at Minnesota. They had Grant Dubose, who's now in the NFL. They don't have those guys anymore. Jack Estera, Jairus Mack, Jaden Bradley hasn't seen the field a lot. Now, he's had some off-the-field issues, some personal family issues. that I completely understand that. I want to give him his privacy and respect. But for the wide receivers and the receiving room, if it's call, if it's not Colin Weber on a tight end screen, I don't know who's going to be giving you consistent separation um, yeah. on that field. I mean, ECU, the, the only guy that has, has really done it is Chase Soule. I mean, yeah. he he's been the only guy that has seemed to put together anything on, on as a wide receiver. I mean, you got Shane Calhoun, who the tight end, who I feel like Donnie Kirkpatrick and, and the coaching staff forgets that he Not even exists for the first two and a half Not quarters of a game, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, we got to get Shane Calhoun the ball, three straight passes, and and their completions," and then they don't pass it to him the rest of the game. I mean, that that's overall that that's what. I see. So it, it seems like these two teams are it, this. It's going to be somebody clip this and send it to Sicko's committee because this <laughs> this game is going to be absolutely sick. I'm wondering if defensive coordinator Ryan Osborne is telling his team, "Hey guys, we know we're up against. Like we know our offense isn't going to be that great. We know maybe they give us ten points. Maybe they gave us fourteen. When you get into the backfield, don't just try and tackle or get the sack. 
try and get that ball out. Yeah. Because yeah. we don't force turnovers and make that field short for us and at least put us in field goal range, worst case scenario, off of a strip sack. If, it's, if that's not happening, I don't see the offense going on a 75, 65, 80-yard drive to, to put some points on the board. All, all I know is going to be saying the same thing for ECU. It's got to be turnovers. All, all, I, all I know is Joey Perry, the groundskeeper at ECU, is going to have to – he's going to have to, his work cut out for him, uh, making sure that that 50-yard line is looking good <laughs> a, a, after, uh, after oh, this man. week. Jeremy, go ahead and tell everybody where they can follow you and find find your content. Yeah, you can find me at Jeremy Grandiso one on Twitter. That's G-R-A-N-D-I-S-O, the number one. I'm also on the Highway 49 podcast. You can catch me in my articles and stories on SB Nation, more specifically Underdog Dynasty. I really want to shout out the Boneyard podcast. You guys have been great. This is one of the most entertaining pods I've been on, too. You guys are hilarious. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Man. The pleasure's all ours. Thank you. Uh, Jeremy, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll see you Saturday. How's that? Absolutely, man. I'll be looking out for you. All right. Sounds good. We'll talk to you later. Once again, that was Jeremy Grandison, Highway 49 podcast. Already, right, this, this game's going to be a shit show. <laughs> this game is, yeah, this, this game's going to be something, man. Like I, I'm excited to go now, just because I, will, I do feel like there, there is a good possibility that ECU wins. Like, I'm not saying that we are, but I feel pretty confident. If you like defensive fireworks, though, this really could be your game. Like, you can see two or three touchdowns. This is the Iowa Bowl. Defenses, right? Like, you can see a pick six. You can see a fumble recovery for a defense. You can see an interception return back to maybe the, the five, two-yard line and set the offense up real good. Like, if you like defensive showcases, this could be your game. I mean, this is this is an Iowa fan's wet dream. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let, I mean, let's move along. Let's do it. Let's move along. Do we uh I think we got some Twitter questions. Let me pull them up. Um, all right. Let's see here. Okay, we got we got a couple. We got a couple. Uh, Chance, what's up, Chance? No chance. Former, in, former intern. Uh, at what point do we just play Mason and let Jeter be the number two? I don't think Flynn is the answer for next year. If Mason doesn't show progress, we hit the portal. We we hit the portal no matter what. Yeah, yeah. It, it, no this, matter this what. Is, this is a disaster. Neither one of these guys should be starting next year. Neither one. I mean, we 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 heard everybody talk about moving whole nailers to to tight end. Hey, maybe maybe let's put Mason Garcia at tight end. Hey, look, hey. Mason Mason is an excellent athlete. I mean, we can absolutely utilize him, but at the quarterback position, we have to be completely honest. I I just I don't see it. So so yeah, we're hitting the portal no matter what, and we definitely got to like. I mean, with Jeter, we definitely. I mean, <laughs> Jeter might be QB one next year. So, mm-hmm. not wasn't expecting it that quick, but he might be QB one next year. Uh, all right, let's see. PD asks if we finish one and eleven, will EC find a way to fire Mike Houston? Um, I don't know. EC has, I believe, his buyouts like four million dollars after this year. Jeez. Um, I mean, EC's got four million reasons to keep him, but 
there's one big fat reason to to let him go if EC goes one and eleven with your sole win being against Gardner Webb. I mean, well, I mean, I mean, look, you know, we got Charlotte this weekend. Obviously, this should that should be a winnable game. All right, you got UTSA, who's not as great as we you know we we would think they they would be this this year, but you know, still Tulane, you could chalk that up as an L. Florida Atlantic, you probably chalk that up as an L. And then you finish with Navy and Tulsa, right? So I mean, it's like to finish one and eleven. I still don't see that. I, I still see two wins, maybe, maybe three, maybe. But I, I, I still see two wins left on the schedule. But I mean, you finish one and eleven, man. You, you got it. You, you have to. I mean, I, I know you said four million reasons not to fire the guy, but you got to at least consider it. You have to yeah. at least seriously. Artie, we we put out a tweet. Uh... I believe it was I – th- I think it was on Thursday night last week. Or may- maybe it was Saturday of last week. I, I don't know. Uh, over under, ECU wins one and a half games the rest of the year. If over, reply below who ECU beats. 42% said over. 58, 58% said under. 58% of the people that responded – which, I mean, it's statistically significant. There's 450 people that answered, said that EC was only winning one game or less the rest of the season. Look, this, we're not going to finish 1-11. We, we're not going to finish 1-11. I, 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 think, I think we'll pull something together. Now, look, I will say this, though. Full transparency. If Houston and staff decide to keep Donnie Kirkpatrick after this season, that will be the reason why they all get fired. I, I promise you right now, if, if a change is not made at the offensive coordinator position after this season, that entire staff will be gone within two years. Every single it, one. If Donnie Kirkpatrick is still the offensive coordinator going into next season, EC fans better be storming the gates of the athletic complex, pitchforks in hand, because fires that- burning. That that is a clear indication that you're not putting this program first. You're exactly. not looking out for the best interest of this program. Exactly. Now, don't get me wrong. EC's got the number two recruiting class in the in the conference, but <laughs> it doesn't matter if you got somebody eating M and M's the entire game, calling plays, and their fingers are smudging up the play the playbook. Maybe that's why you can't call more than a run up the middle. Um. All right, State of Atlanta asks, what's it going to take to get the Pirates in the Sun Belt? Mm. We, we keep losing like this. We'll be there soon. I was about to say, we, we have a couple we'll more 1-11 uh, seasons. We'll be right <laughs> there where we belong in the Sun like, Belt. Nah, we good. All right, that, that, that's it. That's it for Twitter questions. All right, let, let's, let's move along, Artie. Let, let's get – Let's start wrapping this thing up. We've been going for about an hour now. Let's do it. Uh, all right. Artie, walk the plank. Do you got one? Yeah, you know I walk the plank, man. Uh, I mean, you know go ahead. Go ahead. Like, I, I know I, 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 get, I get the rules. I get that it needs to be changed. It absolutely, like, it, you can't have that first-round matchup. But the Atlanta Braves, man, 104 wins, Jared, 104. I, I get the matchup was not what it what it should have been, and I get that they had not played in a week, and you, you like you're a little rusty. Phillies in playoff mode, I get all that, but bro, 
104 wins, all the home runs. You guys got stuff. Y'all got thoroughbreds in Atlanta. There's just no excuse. Y'all got straight dudes. There's no way you guys should have been bounced out in the, in the DS. It just should not have happened. Yeah, it's rough. It's real rough. That, that's what I want to play. And, I, and I'm disappointed in Atlanta. I, I am. I would, I would have liked to have seen Atlanta run it back and, and, and try to put together another World Series um, or another uh, World Series run. But, yeah. Hey, the core is the core is there. That's not changing. Find you a left fielder. Find you a shortstop. Bolster the the rotation, and you're you're okay. But MLB's got to figure. I, I will out. say that that's one sport where momentum momentum in baseball might be the biggest thing in, in in any sport. I mean, once you once them bats get hot, once you catch momentum in baseball, you can really ride that shit to a championship. So. And that, that's what we're seeing. I mean, the top five teams as far as re- records go in the regular season yep. were all out in the in or before the division series. I mean, where the hell did the Diamondbacks come from? Jesus. I don't know. I, I was watching the Diamondbacks play uh, just just about a month ago when I was in Chicago, Chi-Town. I mean, so. Cubbies. Cubbies. Uh, all right, mine – I mean, I don't. I don't really have one other than the the Mike Houston calling a punt on fourth and six with six minutes left. That that's some bullshit. That that is some that is some Charmin ultra soft bullshit. Hey, look, Jared, really good game plan. Really proud of the effort. Uh, put in a good week of practice this week. Got a good opponent. Going to come out. Going to be ready. Looking forward to it. You got you got you got to do the arm. He he always has the arm. <laughs> you know, another walk the plank, and, and I don't know if she's listening, but friend of the podcast, Courtney, Courtney Layton, her phone going off in the post game press conference. Oh no, rookie mistake! <laughs> oh no, oh no! Come on, Courtney. You look. You you you. Courtney really probably did. She more media than we are. All right, she she really doing it. Come on, Kirby. She had the big ass camera out there, and oh my gosh, look, you famous. Come on now, uh, Courtney. Good, good friend. I talked to Courtney. We're gonna have her back on uh, next month, Epilepsy Awareness Month. That's not the only reason we have her on. Courtney is a true friend of the podcast. Facts. Like Courtney, Courtney is always asking me about. We're always talking about the the canes and. Braves and I mean Courtney's a friend. She she's a legit friend of the podcast. Um, and we don't we don't say that like lightly. When we say somebody's a friend of the podcast, we mean they're a friend of the podcast. Otherwise, we tell you to walk the damn plank. All right. Um. All right, Artie. You. Let's wrap this damn thing up. Uh. All right. Let's see. We got. We got the gambling corner. Gambling corner. These uh, these lines and and spreads are brought to you by the Caesar Sportsbook. We're not. Hey, this isn't a this isn't an advertisement. We're not sponsored by them, but this is where we're getting our information. So if you want to match what we're doing, go go there and find it out. Um, first game on on the docket. Southern rivalry re- renewed. Yeah. A battle of the bones. Who makes the best ribs? Who will come out on top? UAB season is slipping week by week, 
and Memphis is looking to rebound after a hard-fought game against Tulane. Can the Blazers defend home turf? UAB's plus six and a half, over under 62. Uh, Memphis, give me Memphis. Yeah, yeah. Memphis, give, me, Memphis. give me Memphis. Memphis is going to win this game outright. Look, Trent Dilfer out here arguing with his, his coaching staff on, on the sidelines. I mean, he, he out here just having tirades on the sideline. UAB can't get nothing right right now. So, yeah, give me Memphis. Yeah, give me Memphis. Uh, take the over. I mean, yeah, I, I think yeah, I think a lot of points will be scored in this game. Take the over. This is gonna be a fun one to watch. Uh, all right, Clemson at Miami. Clemson's not having the year they thought they were they were gonna have. Miami was undefeated until their coach couldn't call a kneel uh, to seal a game. This game will show if Clemson was a good competitor against UNC against the UNC team that just beat Miami. Uh, Miami's plus three. Ah, uh, plus three, three point dog at home. <sighs> Over under 48 and a half. Mm, th- this is a tough one. I-, I really want, I really want to say Miami. I honestly don't think it's that tough, man. I, I think, I think Miami got exposed. I-, I think, you know, they're fraudulent like they've been the last decade. And Clemson is a better team. Clemson's going to win. Take the over, but Clemson's going to win this game by more than ten points, in my opinion. Hmm. I think I think I think Clemson comes out and shows this 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 will be a an old school Clemson game that that you know Deshaun Watson type Clemson team. I, I think I think they'll come out and improve a point because um, again I, I just think my and Miami doesn't have home field advantage. It doesn't matter that Miami's home. They're going to have ten thousand fans there. It doesn't matter. So. There's no home field advantage for them. It'll look like a UNC Charlotte game out there. Um, <laughs> UNC Charlotte home game, that is. I mean, we, we can't say too much now as, as of late. I mean, there's still more fans there than and a lot of the other some other teams in, in the state's games. Um, all right. Already it's the third Saturday in October. Yes, sir. It is here. One of the great rivalries. The third Saturday in October is here. And so is the game that occurs every time it rolls around. The SEC matchup has the potential of being the game of the week for a plethora of reasons. You like that word, Artie? Yes. Plethora. Yes. Tennessee can put the dagger in Alabama's season. An Alabama win could mean Tennessee has a lot of things left to work on. Bama's a nine and a half point favorite in Tuscaloosa over under 48. Uh, roll Tide Roll. Good old Rocky, Rocky Top. top. Rocky, Rocky Top, top Tennessee. Tennessee. Nah, Alabama's going to win. Yeah. No. It's, 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 it look, it's in Tuscaloosa, and I think Tennessee might be the better team, but it's not being played in Knoxville. And I think that's going to be the difference. It's, it's being played in Bryant Denny. They're going to have a hundred thousand plus. Nick Saban's going to have his team ready for this game. And I think that they're that they're a quarterback who's been playing kind of inconsistent, but he's getting a little better for Alabama. Um, I think he's going to come out and have a day. This is this this will be one of the matchups of the week. This game's going to be excellent. But give me Alabama. Hey Josh, do you know does does anybody know what time is this a three thirty game on CBS? Oh, it has to be. Yeah, I feel like this is this is going to have a slot by itself at three thirty. This has to be the three thirty game, right? Yeah. 
And this will probably be the best game going on at 3.30. It, it, it'll be by itself. He, Josh has given us the thumbs up. It is. It is the 3.30 game. All right. Um, all right. Pittsburgh at Wake Forest. Right down – hey, right down the road. Right down the road, baby. Five minutes from where Artie and I live. Yeah. The fight for the fall off. The ACC has new blood at the top, but the programs that were looking to take the next step have really fallen off this year. Wake Forest is last in the ACC, but is the home favorite against Pitt. Can Wake get back on the horse, get three more wins to make a bowl? Wake Forest is a one-point favorite at home here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Mm. This game might be as bad as the UNC Charlotte at ECU game. Nah, it, there, there'll be some more offense than that. There'll be more offense, but I don't know, man. This game, I don't know. Hey, look, I, I'll say this. Pitt's coming off a huge win against undefeated Louisville. I'm so disappointed in Louisville after after beating Notre Dame at home. I really thought that they could be the Cinderella. They shit the bed. But I think Pitt's going to ride that momentum, ride that wave. I think they come into Winston-Salem. I think they go into Wake Forest. They might have more fans than Wake Forest does, and I think they win this game. Uh, yeah, they most definitely have more fans than Wake Forest does. Um, well, I'm talking about actually in the stadium. Like, they'll have more Pitt fans in the stadium than Wake Forest fans. That that wouldn't surprise me at all. Nobody here in Winston-Salem gives a shit about Wake Forest, Wake Forest football, really, or basketball. And it's WSSU homecoming this weekend, too, so ain't nobody going to that game. Artie, I, I'm, I don't really necessarily think that they're, they're the same demographics. Just people going to Wake fans and Winston-Salem State fans, I don't, I don't know if there's much well, of that I, intermingled I, I, there. I know, I, know, I know they're different, but I, I'm just saying the city's going to be more wrapped up in WSSU than they will in Wake Forest. Shout out the Rams. Um, let's see. I, I want to look at something real quick. Wake Forest schedule. All right. Ooh. That that game next weekend is going to be a fun one. Um, all right, already here it is. Wake wins. Pittsburgh. They they they're coming off a big win against Louisville. They got Notre Dame next week. This is a trap game at Wake. Look, as much of a trap game as it can be when you're sitting at, what, two and four? Give me Wake Forest um, at home to beat okay. to beat Pittsburgh. Um, I, I, I just think this is a trap game. You, you go, I mean, <laughs> you got Pittsburgh coming off, of, like I said, a huge win. Yeah. Then going on the road, and a week before they have to go on the road again to Notre Dame, and two weeks before they play at home against Florida State. Like, is this Pitt or Wake Forest schedule? This is Pitt's schedule. Oh no! Now I have even more confidence that they're going to win this game. I, really? You know, they, they, they're going to they're going to come in here because they know they got Notre Dame and Florida State coming up. They're going to be like, look, we got We got to get a dub. <laughs> like, they they know what's on their schedule coming up now. Now uh, they're, not, they're not going into no raucous environment either. They're gonna have will, an easy time with play calls and all that. I will say Wake Wake has a tough schedule coming up too. They they play uh 
Pitt this weekend, Florida State at home next weekend, at Duke the following weekend, mm-hmm. and then they, they play the, the puppies on uh on Veterans Day weekend. So Yeah, they're not they're not making a bowl game. <laughs> no. Um they beat NC State though. They'll be NC State. <laughs> All right. Next, what do we got? ECU. No quarter. Homecoming, baby. It's homecoming. Do my best Scott Van Pelt impression. ECU, six and a half point favorites at home. It is it is homecoming. Over under 40 and a half. Artie, you take it away. Hey, look. Like we said earlier, the lock of the week. Please, for the love of God, take the under. Take the under, take the under, and then take the under. We not getting the 40 and a half. That ain't happening. It's not going to happen. Um, you know, ECU favored by six and a half. This is going to be one of those slugfest, old school, rock'em, sock'em. This is going to be ugly. And it's a toss-up, but it's homecoming. Like you said, I think the fans are going to be nice and lubricated. However many we get, I'm, they're going to say that we sold – 35 to 40,000 tickets. Ain't going to be that many people in the stadium, though. Um, but, again, it's homecoming. I just – I think we got the throwback unis this weekend, so we're going to be like out there looking fresh. Obviously, give me ECU. I know we're one in five. I, I know they, they this might come back to bite me in the ass, and we'll be sitting at one in six next week talking about the same shit. But give me ECU at home for homecoming. I think they ride it out. It's going to be an ugly win, but they get the win. Two evenly matched teams. I, I think ECU <laughs> get, gets the win. Josh. Shout out Josh. Sure, me. Josh, make sure that this gets up on, on our, our social media channels that's, when that's we post the links to, the, to this. Uh, if you're not watching on YouTube, it, it's ECU and Charlotte, and it's the Spider-Man meme because they are the same team. But ECU – they figure it out this week. Something clicks on offense. Finally, something clicks on offense. And I think that they pick up some momentum going into the back half of the year. ECU's been in all these games all year long. They've been in every single game all year long outside of the Michigan game. Yeah. Every game they've been in in the fourth quarter with a chance to either come back and win or a chance to salt the other team away. They were leading in the fourth quarter against Marshall and App State. Yep. Figure out how to win in the fourth quarter. The boys bring it home. Take it to the bank. ECU uh, ECU covers, and and so does the under hits. So uh, take that to the bank. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Go damn Pirates. That's all I got, Artie. That's all I got. It's homecoming. Get loud, Pirate Nation. It is home coming. All right. Get loud. Hey, cook a pig. Yes. Throw back a, a beer. Let me know where you're at. I'll be there. Let me know. Let us know where you're at. God, I'm ready, Artie. Saturday can't come soon enough. So, that's the problem being an ECU fan. Every week, I get so fired up. This is going to be the week. We're going to bust through. Something's going to change. Mason Garcia, Alex Flynn, Donnie Kirkpatrick, they're going to all pull their heads out of their asses collectively. And then 
We just don't. We shit the bed. Hey, look, at, at this point in the season, the mindset has changed. At least for the ECU fan, the mindset should have changed, right? We're not looking towards Cinderella or even even a bowl game at this point. Let's look at some positives going into next season. That's that's just how you gotta look at it. We gotta we gotta start getting some things going piece by piece, positives going into next year. This year's a mulligan. Get it in your head. We're not doing nothing special this year. It ain't gonna happen. We're not reeling off six straight wins or whatever, five, five, six straight wins to get to a bowl game. It's not gonna happen. So positives going into next year. ECU is going to turn around and get the job done this weekend. Uh, Josh has put it in the chat. ECU soccer coach Gary Higgins got his 100 win. So shout out to that. But that's all I got. For another podcast, right? We had What's Gary up? Higgins on. Uh, I know we had the golf coach on. No, we had Gary Higgins on way back in the day. On? Yeah, this, this had to be years ago. This had to be like two years ago. This was like, yeah, this was, yeah. Gary Higgins, friend of the podcast. Um. All right. That might have been before me and Ashley got together. That's a minute. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Make sure to subscribe to VSN on on YouTube, on, on Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, subscribe to us. Leave us a review. Search us on at Boneyard Podcast, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. Uh, subscribe. Hit that notification bell. Make sure that you are getting all of our notifications. Uh, yeah, do that. Leave us a review on, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Five stars, you're a friend of the podcast for life. One star, you can walk the damn plank right on down to Charlotte. Okay, that's all I got. Subscribe on YouTube. Leave us a review. Let's get out of here, Artie. Uh, go damn pirates. Hey, as always, Pirate Nation, we love you. Wash your hands, wash your butts, you filthy animals. We'll see you this weekend. Deuce. Peace.